Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades. Uh, this is the super special, extra quick journalism episode about the boats. Damn boats. Because I was asked on Discord about them, and honestly, well, it's 2.46 a.m. at this point of recording, so that's why there's no intro song, there's no editing, there's no nothing, there is just me, who's being the journalism for a bit. Uh, yeah. So these uh, three Ukrainian boats at this point are probably the most interesting thing in the world right now. And I wanted you to know what the Russian, Ukrainian media and everything are writing about them at this given moment, because I consider that to be my duty. So, for those of you who didn't know, this is what has happened. On November the 25th, Russia's Federal Security Service, FSB, border guards fired on and seized three Ukrainian naval vessels in the Kerch Strait area. Kiev says at least uh, at least six sailors were injured in the gunfire. The seized ships were brought to Kerch, where the wounded men received medical attention. The FSB states the ships violated Russia's international borders. Meantime, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko has demanded the immediate return of the country's sailors and ships, calling the FSB's actions a violation of international law. On November 26th, Ukraine's security service opened a criminal investigation formally accusing Russia of waging an aggressive war. Uh, basically, anyone in Ukraine convicted of assisting in this effort, uh, you know, is about to get like 15 years in prison, just saying. In response to the Kerch Strait incident, Poroshenko wants to impose martial law in Ukraine for the next 30 days. The parliament will vote on the proposal on Monday. Well, and uh, they did at one point, as it comes out, uh, but when I wrote this, they hadn't yet. But So this is an update, but they did, and there will be a martial law in Ukraine, which means a lot of freedoms shall be curbed, at least on paper, because there are, like, many things going on with that. But fresh freedom shall be definitely stopped. So this is the moment where I um, stopped doing this and started doing this in the middle of the night instead of waiting for a week. Anyhow, uh, today, November 26th, or yesterday for me, I suppose, Ukraine's security service opened a criminal investigation... F- like formally accusing Russia of, of this. And uh, the country's military, Ukrainian military, has already been placed on full alert, and the initiative, well, had the support of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council. 
Poroshenko promised that martial law would not mean Ukraine's immediate mobilization for war or the protection of civil rights, and although mass mobilization has not been called yet, uh, well, at least on paper, Poroshenko can now curb the civil rights on many people living in Ukraine. On November 26th, just hours before uh, the Verkhovna Rada, the Higher Council of Ukraine, actually voted, Poroshenko signed an executive order imposing martial law in Ukraine for 30 days, but then again it had to be, conser- uh, had to be approved by this vote, which they then did. This document, again, allowed him uh, to strengthen the country's air defense around strategic government facilities, allowed him to increase security at the Russian border, and also organize a census of reservists in the event of a partial mobilization. Ukrainians' uh, parliament, like I just mentioned, later voted, like today, for you guys, or yesterday for me at this point, uh, the Martial Law Initiative into law, and this will take effect on November 28th, and will last 30 days, and will be effective only in the regions bordering Russian troops, and, uh, of course, the unrecognized Pridnistrovian Moldavian Republic, which is, well, mostly known as Transnistria. In other words, in 10 of Ukraine's 27 uh, regions. Uh, this was done so that uh, the original law about 60 days wouldn't come into, uh, come into like, uh, any effort so that Mr. Poroshenko could not be accused of instating martial law to influence the elections. So, yeah, this final agreement will not postpone March 2019 Ukrainian presidential elections. And as these tensions flare around Crimea once again, fighting has also intensified in separatist-controlled Donetsk. According to the Russian state news agency RIA Novosti, which I often use, the Ukrainian military started shelling residential areas of the self-proclaimed DNR as Ukrainian vessels challenged Russia at the Kerch Strait. Kiev, on the other hand, says occupiers in Donetsk fired on our position 16 times, wounding two soldiers. Russia also deployed military helicopters to patrol the area. The FSB, as you know, I'll get into the details, later fired on and seized three ships in a special forces operation. The Berdyansk and Nikopol gunboats and the Yanikapu Tag. Kiev says six of its sailors were injured and Russia captured more than 20 men in total. So here we go on to the details, because de- details are really important in this, this, whole, this whole case. See, in the 25th of November, Ukrainian warboats, like I mentioned before, uh, Berdyansk and Nikopol, and, well, a trading tugboat, that's kind of how the Russian term goes in this, Yanikapu, tried to move from Odessa to Mariupol in the Azov Sea. Russia accused the Ukrainian sailors that they, twice, with the difference of 12 hours, have violated the borders of the so-called Russian territorial waters. In the coast of Crimea, to be specific. In the second incident, the ships were fired at and captured in an operation of uh, Spetsnaz, and people were wounded. More than 20 sailors were arrested, three of them were wounded. Three of them, as the Russian side claims, Ukraine states there was six. Ukraine, in its own right, accuses Russia of committing an act of military aggression and inhibiting the freedom of seafaring. So this, this is what I know so far, this is what I've gathered from all of my sources about how these two countries deal with their naval borders, and... Uh, about were there any reasons to FSB to go after foreign ships and how it all went down. This is just going to be the facts, because I have to provide them to you ASAP at this given moment. So according to the press service of the FSB, like I said, three Ukrainian ships violated Russia's maritime borders with a span between the incidents being about 12 hours. Quote, 
In the beginning, they, at around 7 a.m. of the 25th, in violation of the Articles 19 and 21 of the United Nations Conventions of the Naval Rights, crossed the state borders of the Russian Federation and outside their rights entered the closed aquatorium of the territorial waters of the Russian Federation. Now to explain a bit here. Territorial waters here represents a zone around the coast of states in the width of about, you know, a couple of miles. In the case with Russia, it's 12 sea miles or 22.2 kilometers. The outer border of the territorial waters is treated as the state border. However, the rules of crossing the sea borders differ from those that work on the land. See, according to the Articles 17 and 18 of the United Nations, Convention, United Nations Convention about the maritime rights, any ship has the rights of a peaceful transfer through the territorial waters of another country, besides, without giving a fair warning beforehand. Articles 19 and 21, which are referenced by Russia in this case, are those containing these rules of peaceful transfer. The important part is that the ship must follow the inter uninterrupted and fast principle, and I translated uh, all of this from Russian, so if in English properly these terms are called a bit different, then please excuse me, I didn't have time for this this time. But oh, I guess you understand this. But this, uh, well, at least as I got it from Russian, uninterrupted and fast principle means that the ship who is uh, following this is not to be able to enter any ports, He's, it's not allowed to drop the anchor, it's not allowed to carry any fish that might have been fished, not to do any maneuvers with any use of guns, and the ship also isn't allowed to perform, quote, any acts of propaganda with the aim of influencing the defense or safety of the coastal government. Ukrainian Navy, however, insists that the ships were acting in accordance with these principles without any violations. According to the version of the FSB, these ships were spotted in the evening of the 24th of November inside the territorial waters at Cape Megan near Koktybel. The Ukrainian ships, again in the version of the FSB, informed that they have no intentions to enter the straits. In the morning of the 25th, the commanders of these ships changed their messages and now stating that they intend to sail through the strait located in the Azov Sea. Then the Russian coast guard boat Don performed a bulk, that is ramming of the Ukrainian tug Yenikapu, which by the way uh, has hit YouTube at this point already and you can just sense the enthusiasm going on there. FSB insists that still in the evening in the 25th, the Russian Coast Guard ship informed the Ukrainian crews about the closed region of the Russian territorial waters near the Kerch Straits, but on the side of the Black Sea. And this is important, because, you know, Black Sea and Azov Sea, they follow quite a lot of different rules. See, according to the United Nations rules, a coastal government indeed has the right to temporarily stop <clears throat> peaceful transfers through a part of their territorial waters, but such a decision takes effect only after its due publication. Due publication being a term here. In Notices for Mariners magazine, where the Russian Ministry of Defense publishes its warnings, there's a reminder about the daily artillery and rocket firing exercises from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. from 30th of October to 30th of November, and exactly in that region where the FSB tried to stop Ukrainian ships. However, these firing tests were not performed on Sundays, and another firing test, according to these notices, had the end of the Saturday. As FSB reports, the ships of the Ukrainian Navy, after the first encounter, continued on their way top the Kerch Straits. After 12 hours of the morning incident, they were blocked at the anchor parking next to the entry to the Kerch Strait. Ukrainian Ministry of Defense has published an audio recording, which, as they state, contains the radio contacts between the Russian and Ukrainian sailors. However, and this is important again, because this is a mess and I want to dig through this properly at a later point, but at this given point any concrete evidence of the identities of the per people involved uh, is just not provided. By any side, really. 
In this recording, one of the Ukrainian ship crew members states that they've passed into the Black Sea from the Kerch Straits and they have leapt into the left the 12 mile zone. In the next fragment, a Russian sailor asks how many wounded are there on the ship, but the Ukrainian asks for help and states his coordinates. 44.510 northern latitude and 36.234 eastern longitude. This spot is located beyond the Kerch Straits and is about 23 kilometers from the coast of Crimea. That is, beyond the borders of territorial waters. But now, now here's the important part. What's important here is that FSB, in their statement about the whole situation, also provides the very same coordinates. These very ones, about in the report about fighting upon Ukrainian ships. And this is just silly, because, yeah, this just means that Russia just admitted firing upon other countries' vessels in neutral waters. Now, uh, I did a bit of a digging in uh, the Russian law, so if the Ukrainian ships really did break any rules, which I am doubting of, but might as well, because this is just crazy. Well, if they even did break any rules here, then the Coast Guard, according to Article 30 of the Russian law about the state borders, had the rights to chase them to neutral waters, and then further on, stopping only if they would enter the waters of another government. Under the law, if this chase would have been successful, then the ships must have been captured and delivered to the nearest Russian port. However, there's more details here once again, because, you know, nothing is complicated, uh, as Eastern Europe is. You see, there's an international treaty in existence between Russia and Ukraine, state starting from the December 2003, concerning the Azov Sea. It also regulates the use of the Kerch Strait. According to the treaty, which, well, unlike the largest part of other treaties with Russia, this one was not denounced by Kiev after, you know, the interesting things started to happen. So yeah, according to this treaty, the sea and the strait is considered, quote, historically internal waters of Russia and Ukraine. That means that both merchant marine and the navy have full rights of movement within them, and other navies have to ask for the rights of passage to both countries, and both Russia and Ukraine can demand an inspection of the seafaring ships in the Azov Sea and the Karich Straits. And yeah, this is one of the very, very few deals that Kiev hasn't abandoned with Russia by this point. But besides this, besides even this one, there's also a technical agreement about the rights of passage to the Kerch Strait, which was concluded between Russia and Ukraine in 2007. According to that, any vessel wishing to travel through the strait must inform the captain of the Kerch port about its intentions. The thing is that the transfer of large ships from the Azov Sea to the Black Sea is only possible via a kerch Yenikalsky canal with a depth of 8 meters, which by the way was opened at the depths of the strait in the 19th century. To pass through this canal, ships are required to hire a pilot in the Kerch Harbor. This service costs about $500 to $9,000 US dollars. And see, until the facto transfer of Crimea into Russia, the annexation thing, on 2014, all these decisions about transfers were made by the Ukrainian captain of the port. But now Russia is doing this. Ukraine, which, like most of the planet Earth, for very obvious reasons, is not recognizing the annexation of Crimea, still, by sheer necessity, is following these rules set by the Russian administration of the Kerch port. Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to ensure the trade and flow of the goods of Mariupol and Berdyansk, which are the largest Ukrainian ports in the Azov Sea. So Ukraine insists that they did send a warning and a request of passage of these said ships, and that the dispatcher service at the port, quote, refused to ensure the rights of free passage guaranteed by international treaties. Russia, meanwhile, denies that it received any warning until the morning of 25th. And, yeah, what does this whole mean? These are the facts here. But, 
I am not sure that local rivalries didn't play, play a role here. See, for one, obviously this whole thing is a point of contention, because Ukraine is, again, and, and I, I believe, quite rightly, believing that Crimea is theirs. At the same time, the presence of Ukrainian navy in Kerch Strait and Azov Sea, well, clearly is not enjoyed by Moscow. On 25th of November, the foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, reminded that the official representatives of Ukraine have multiple times, <clears throat> quote, promised to start preparations to blow up the Kerch bridge built by Russia. Uh, truth to be told, there's a reason why the Soviet Union didn't build a bridge there. I'll tell you why, because uh, it's, just, it's just not viable. It's not viable at all, and it will collapse at one point, by one reason or another. How soon? Yeah, that's the question. But the Kerch Bridge is a very weird project, which I personally believe was just built just to make money. However, even with this, with this thing, officially and formally, Russia hasn't prohibited Ukrainian ships the rights of passage through this strait. For example, in September 2018, just, uh, you know, a month ago, two months ago, two Ukrainian warships successfully completed a transfer from Odessa to Mariupol while not entering the territorial waters around Crimea, and they did give a successful notice about their use of the Kerchenikaisky Canal. After the Crimean annexation by Russia, multiple crises, by the way, have been happening be between these two countries, but this, whoa oh boy, this one is by far the largest one, so we will be following it. So you see, in the spring of 2017, for one, just to show you an example, FSB accused the Ukrainian warships of shooting at the Russian oil platform owned by an, oh my god, abbreviations, <clears throat> Chernomorneftegaz, which is an abbreviation of uh, <clears throat> Black Sea Oil and Gas Company, being the name of said company. Until the annexation, this Chernomorneftegaz was owned by Ukraine. In the January-February of the same year, Ukraine declared that from the oil platforms and Ukrainian military plane was fired at, and so was a military diving ship of the Ukrainian Navy that was also threatened. So, so yeah, who knows? There might have been some local sparks going on, there must be some crazy things happening, but all in all, this is a mess. This is a huge mess, Ukraine's like preparing for, for full-scale war, Russia's just blasting, and Maria Zaharov again is doing things that just can't imagine how they landed Spetsnaz from ships there. I don't even know where how it all happened. But this is, in this situation, I'd be much more inclined to blame the incompetence or, well, drunkenness of the local authorities involved than to put the blame on some higher-up master plan. No, like, seriously, because now you know the facts and, and, and some analysis, analysis should also happen, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just left here. I'm, I'm stunned. I, 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 I just had to record this. And I'll, I'll try to keep you updated, but this was so important that I get this out for you now that, yeah, this 3 a.m. and I'm finished my recording. At the end, make it on the conclusions, comrades, but these are all the facts. There'll be more to follow, but this... This is the Eastern Border special of what we do know now. До свидания, товарищи. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.